The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to First Fight, the Pride of Detroit preview podcast for SB Nation, where we talk about the Detroit Lions' upcoming matchup against this week, the Minnesota Vikings, part two in Minnesota. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the host of Pride of Detroit's First Bite podcast, and I'm also the managing editor over at prideofdetroit.com. With me tonight, Ryan Matthews, the editor and writer and utility guy and co-host of the POD cast. Ryan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic. I think I say that more oftentimes than not, but I truly mean it this time. There you go. We, we've got Ryan in a fantastic mood. And you know what? We are going to take First Bite in a little bit of a different direction this week. Um, we know a lot of you might not be that enthusiastic for the game, so probably not that interested in the nitty-gritty of, of the matchup with the Vikings. That being said, we will have a Vikings guest, Arif Hassan, later in this podcast. But for the first section, the first segment of this podcast, we are just going to focus on lines. We're going to talk about things that we're looking for in this game from the Lions perspective, things that maybe you guys can can get engaged with with the game because obviously wins and losses are not that important at this point. Um, getting to know the team, maybe getting to, to a look at certain players might be a little more interesting from from a viewing perspective. So that's what we're going to tackle in this first segment, and we'll get into the Nate Grady stuff for those of you still interested in the Lions opponent and all that in a few minutes. But Ryan, let's start with you. Um, what's what's one thing you are going to look forward to in this game if you're still watching at this point? Are you, are you still watching at this point? I'm still watching because I work for Pride of Detroit. <laughs> Great answer. Great answer. It's a, it's a company answer, but it's an honest answer. And <laughs> I think for me at this point, we talked about it on the podcast last week when we were reviewing the Thanksgiving Day game, but Amani Orarie, mm-hmm. I think seeing him out there against a couple of elite receivers potentially yeah. should Adam Thielen play. I know that he didn't practice today. He didn't go through the team walkthrough and he has missed close to like a month of football now, but regardless, it'll be a test no matter what, because you know, Slay will probably be following around digs and it's not like the Vikings necessarily have slouches uh, towards the depth end of their, their wide receiver track, but more so just if Amani Awarie can kind of hold his own against another uh, a, a, another 
elite NFL passing offense. And I think that's what the Minnesota Vikings are. So if he can turn what maybe some people might still think is a fluke or coincidence at this point, just because he's had a couple of good games to string a third game together, we see what that kind of did for Bo Scarborough. I think he's kind of won a lot of people over, even though Derry Sanders was available for a little bit of the week before he was picked up. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a big game for Imani Arariye. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's worth putting those first two performances in context, right? Like Dwayne Haskins and Mitchell Trubisky. Totally, right? And then, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is a great quarterback, but I think he's better than those two guys. Well, I mean, Kirk Cousins, let, let's be honest right now. I think he's number two in passer rating. Like, he's actually, like, He's I, when we, I think this this game first rolled around, um, there was a lot of skeptic skepticism about him, and rightfully so. You know, he hasn't played well in big moments. There was that weird one or two week feud, or not feud, but you know, controversy between him and, and Stefan Diggs. Um, but give him credit; like he's played well. He played well on Monday night. It certainly wasn't his fault they lost that game. Um, he's he's held his own. And so, yeah, even with or without Adam Thielen, I think this is a big test for Imani Orwari. And it's not going to stop after this one, right? They got the Bucks coming up with a, a, a good duo of receivers there and, you know, very hit or miss quarterback. But um, and then Aaron Rodgers in week 17. Now, um, you also have to wonder what the Lions are exactly going to do with that number two cornerback position because Rashawn Melvin returned to practice today. And so what what do the Lions do there? And I'm very interested. Maybe they they split time. Um, maybe Rashawn Melvin just takes over. It, it wouldn't make a lot of sense considering Rashawn Melvin's on a one-year deal, but a lot of things this team has done with this roster as of late don't make a lot of sense. They've been bringing <laughs> back Kerry on Johnson. Matthew Stafford is still on the 53, so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see Rashawn Melvin necessarily take back over that number two corner position. Right, and that, that that's exactly what I was going to say. Not a lot of things this organization <laughs> has done as of late have made sense, so... Um, what what do you got? What do you, what are you paying attention to in in this week's game? I think the the big thing that I'm looking for, and it's it's something that we haven't seen all year, and that's the defensive line fully quote unquote healthy for this game. Um, we we literally have not seen a single game in which Mike Daniels, Deshaun Han, Trey Flowers, Damon Harrison, and Ashawn Robinson were all active, and right now it looks like it's trending that way. Um, Damon Harrison, who missed last game, was a full participant full participant in Wednesday's practice. The only other guy on the injury report is Deshaun Han, who's been dealing with that ankle injury, but he played last week. So unless he re-aggravated it in a way that, that threatens his, his, you know, uh, availability this week, we're going to finally get that defensive line that was all hyped up off all off season. And with the Vikings, you know, Riley reef might not play in this game. So they might not have an offensive line. That's full, full ready to go. The Lions finally have that defensive line that, that was promised to be so good. Can we see it like be good now once like w- just one game for them? Just, I mean, it, it won't matter much in the long scheme because I don't, I, I kind of doubt Mike Daniels will be back. Ashawn Robinson might need, might not be back. Um, you know, we, we, I feel like we kind of missed out on their shot of the defensive line being good, but I'd like to just see it for one game just to see it just for entertainment purposes. I'd love to see them, you know, live up to their billing, even if it's just, for one week in Minnesota. Yeah, I would like to see it too, even though it's, you know, seven weeks and <laughs> millions of dollars too short. Yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, it, it would be cool to see what could have been. I'm, I don't know. I'm not, yeah. I'm not as, I'm not as excited about this as you are. I don't think, but <laughs> it, it, it at least gives Lions fans something to, I guess, 
romanticize about. <laughs> you you know what it is. I think I just don't want to feel like an idiot that bought into false <laughs> to, to fool's gold. I want to oh. just be like, you know what? The reason that when I got all excited that Mike Daniels signed in Detroit, I want to feel validated at least a little bit. And, and there maybe I can turn around and be like, you know what? Lions just got unlucky. The defensive line would have destroyed this. This division would have destroyed this league. They would have made the playoffs. They would have won a Super Bowl, but it just didn't fall. You know, the, the cards just didn't fall their way. Wow, man, that is some serious validation you're seeking. And I really hope that you get all of it. I hope you run victory laps around Twitter so much that your fingers hurt. Um, yeah, I hope so, too. Yeah. Call it delusion. Call it validation. Whatever you want. I want it. And I hope you get it, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. The, the one other thing that I'm looking forward to, and I think a lot of Lions fans are probably interested in seeing, is David Blau Part 2. Okay. Redux. Yeah. I think a lot of people are excited about seeing David Blau. And I think I think people are excited about seeing David Blau because they're interested in whether or not the Lions might have the backup quarterback position figured out. After, not, after 15 tries this year. Right, right. A- after after a bunch of tries this year, um, after being blocked by the XFL, <laughs> <laughs> um, they traded for David Blau, you know, got Jeff Driscoll on the roster. It's been, it's been a few years, right, since the Lions have felt felt comfortable with a backup quarterback, probably all the way back to Sean Hill. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then we're and we're talking quite quite a bit of uh, time in between then and now. I don't think that Lions fans, even if David Blau has like an average game against Minnesota, which I think is probably your ceiling, that should be your expectation. I think is to have an average game. Uh-huh. Uh, against Minnesota, that that should be the highest your expectations go. But I still don't think that after two games, we want to cash those checks that say that he's the backup quarterback of the future that everybody can endear themselves to and romanticize the way that every other backup quarterback in Detroit has been romanticized ever since the dawn of time. So, um, but I'm interested nonetheless to see him play because he did have a really good. I think he had a really good first half against Chicago. I want to see whether or not how he performs like in the third quarter. Like there's some nuances, right? That I want to see with David Blau. Like if we put this replacement level quarterback in, how is he performing differently than Matthew Stafford did throughout the season? And it's almost kind of like this little experiment. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think another thing to, to kind of throw into the mix here is how will a week of practice help him? Because yeah. you have to remember last week he came in cold. He came in not running a, a single full speed drill with any of his players. Can you imagine that throwing to a guy like Kenny Galladay without even knowing what it's like to throw to a full speed Kenny Galladay? That's what well, he had to do. Well, he did it really well on the third try. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. And so, uh, I mean, you have to factor that in. We, we saw how he performed against a good Bears defense last week. He's facing a really good defense again this week. And so, I would say two promising starts against good divisional opponents, one on the road. That would be a very promising start to a rookie's career as a backup quarterback in Detroit. And and you're right to say you you got to hold your horses here. You can't declare him the next Sean Hill or whatever you want to declare a backup quarterback. I don't know what's what's the peak of backup quarterbacking. Is it Sean Hill in Detroit? I think it might be. <laughs> Where's it anywhere? Nick Foles. 
I mean, that is probably the quintessential example, right? Because but 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 where is he now? Well, that's what back I'm saying. Like back again. <laughs> well, that's where he's best suited. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I do, I do think that's that's something I I would rather watch Matthew Stafford against the Vikings. Not not now. I'm not saying I'd rather watch a broken back Matthew Stafford, but you know, on a general game day, I'd rather watch Matthew Stafford rather than David Blah. But he does definitely provide some intrigue, I think, for this game as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think we missed the opportunity to say Patriots backup quarterback X. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the peak. Yeah, that's the peak. Whoever so it is. We're, we're looking to trade David Blau in, in 2021 for for a second rounder. Yes, that's <laughs> that's his that's his peak status. <laughs> All right. And with that, I think we're going to wrap up the, the first segment here. When we come back, we're going to have Arif Hassan from the Athletic Minnesota. He's going to tell us all about the Minnesota Vikings, how they're feeling after that tough loss to Seattle, how they match up against the Detroit Lions, and maybe what are expectations going forward for this team. Are they a Super Bowl team? Will they win the division? Will they have a Minneapolis miracle that devastates the team? We'll find out when we come back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And welcome back to First Bite, your Pride of Detroit preview podcast. As promised, we're bringing in our Vikings guest for this week, week 14 already of the NFL, Arif Hassan from The Athletic. Arif. How are we doing? Thanks for coming back. Yeah, I'm doing great. Oh, thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. All right. Um, as much as uh, maybe we're, we're not all that interested in getting into the nitty gritty with the Vikings because it might be kind of sad for us, we're going to do it anyways. Uh, but let's start, let's start just strictly on Vikings and, and not necessarily about the game itself coming up. Um, Vikings are coming off a tough loss against Seattle, um, a game in which was really, really back and forth. The Vikings looked really good for the first half really had a, a rough third quarter, then, then made it a game in the fourth quarter again. Uh, I'm just curious, where are your thoughts? Where's the fan base thoughts on this franchise and, and what could potentially happen in, in the last few months of, of the season? Yeah, well, I think the fan base has uh, 
I want to say come around on Kirk Cousins. Uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of weird for me to say that because I also was like not a huge believer in his capability and like tight situations. So it's not as if I'm saying like, ah, they finally get it. But I think everybody has just kind of decided uh, that, that Cousins really does kind of have the horses to 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 build an effective offense. And then also in uh, situational football, which is where he's been struggling, I think for most of his career, right. uh, he's been able to kind of turn it around. So uh, there's that kind of positive side of it. I think the negative side of it is I think the concerns about the defense, especially uh, when it comes to the secondary, um, I think are basically permanent at this point. I think that people are really <laughs> concerned that the defense just doesn't have the ability to stop high-level offenses. And uh, as we saw in the third quarter, I mean, there's just moments where they can get rolling. And the Seahawks are a particularly explosive offense where yeah. uh, their points can just come in chunks. And so that's kind of just what happened. But uh, this has been kind of representative of a lot of the problems that the Vikings defense has had uh, over the course of the year. And and do you think a lot of that is, Reef? do you think that it has to do with coaching or personnel? I, I know we've seen quite a bit of a drop off in terms of the narrative surrounding Xavier Rhodes as being like one of the top corners. Where do you where do you see the problems in lying for that Vikings secondary being? I think a lot of it has to do with the personnel. Um, I think that coaching has done a fairly excellent job in terms of um, kind of designing stuff that's very difficult for quarterbacks to to throw on. Um, and we actually saw that in the Seattle game where uh, the big plays really occurred uh, because of execution errors and not because there's just this, you know, fundamental schematic flaw. Um, you know, on the 60-yard touchdown, David Moore, Xavier Rhodes clearly thought there was, you know, safety help when there wasn't. Um, that's just kind of a mental error on his part because all 10 other members of the defense uh, had a pretty good idea of what was supposed to be happening on that play. And that's also kind of representative of the problems that, that Rhodes has had all year. Um, the rest of the defense, uh, a lot of these players are playing some of the best football of their career, or at least uh, for the past couple of years. And uh, it, it's kind of difficult to say, hey, you know, coaching is not responsible for like these eight guys having these really amazing years but also responsible for these three guys just having really poor years, especially, I think, when we've seen some of the physical drop-off that Rhodes has had. And I think against Seattle, you know, we saw they were just not effective um, on the deep ball. You know, that 60-yard touchdown aside, uh, they were they were 5 of 6 uh, in on, on yards going over 20, uh, 20 yards downfield. And because of that, uh, they, they were forced to play a game that they're not really used to in the passing game, which I think is a really great sign of coaching. Now, obviously, they succeeded in that alternate passing style but i think that's kind of the best you can do is put their players in places where they're uncomfortable put your players in places where they're comfortable and then just kind of hope your personnel executes and in this case they didn't sounds like you gotta look out for that david blau deep ball this week huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's uh you know purdue quarterbacks have maybe haunted the vikings a little bit <laughs> well it, i mean it is interesting because that has been a staple of the lions offense this year even without Matthew Stafford, they, they do like to take their deep shots, and that's maybe something that we can <clears throat> uh, look forward to seeing this week. Um, but I want to talk about the Vikings' run defense because while it's still pretty darn good, they've had some kind of curious performances lately. Um, gave up 200, over 200 yards to the Seahawks. Um, against the Chiefs, they gave up 150 with 8.2 a carry. Um, what What's going wrong there? And, and like I said, I, I don't want to exaggerate and think and, – and, and, you know, say that they're they're a bad unit or anything, but they certainly don't carry. I, don't, I guess the, the fear that that they have in, in years past is that is that an accurate description? Yeah, no, I think it is. Um, w- w- what's interesting is that you take a look and say 
Well, Daniil Hunter is playing really well. Everson Griffin's playing well, both as pass rushers and against the run. Eric Hendricks is is having the best year he's ever had. He's a legitimate contender, I think, for all pro. Uh, and then you say, hey, well, they allowed, you know, he put one yard to carry against the Chiefs, they allowed 200 yards, uh, I think over five yards to carry uh, mm-hmm. against the Seahawks. And uh, you, you're trying to figure out kind of what the disconnect is there. I think against the Seahawks, one of the problems that Linval Joseph um, he was on a six-week injury return timetable for his uh, surgery, um, but because there wasn't any swelling, came back after three weeks. I think he's clearly still not there yet. So uh, that was part of it, and I don't think uh, he was available for the Chiefs game, if I remember correctly. Um, and I think that's a big part of it, as mm-hmm. you know, kind of a this the, this nose tackle that that just gums up the middle of the offense in terms of uh, in terms of the run fits and what they can do. Um, that's I think a pretty big part of it. I think another big part of it is that because they ask their corners to contain so often and because they've been rotating their corners a lot, you know, we've seen Mackenzie Alexander and Holton Hill and Mike Hughes along with Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes, uh, and usually not injury related. I mean, Rhodes is always going to miss like a couple of snaps a game for injury, but um, usually it's not injury related. But because of that, there's sometimes just these contain issues. I think that's mostly it. I mean, it's still a pretty good run defense, like you said. I think by DVOA, it's like ninth. Yeah. So, you know, it, the the issues are all kind of relative, and we're trying to figure out kind of why these outliers occur. And I think a lot of it just comes because of an explosive play, because, you know, Joseph or whoever's playing nose tackle that week gets blown off the block, and uh, because of that, there's just a lane, or because they've, they've lost contain on the edge, and so there's a lane. It's mostly because of explosive plays and less because uh, somebody's been able to consistently make good gains. And Seattle, to me, I think is maybe the only exception of that where they're able to to generate, uh, along with the tackles for loss, able to generate 8, 10, 11 yards uh, on, on some carries. Mm. Yeah, the, that, that, that's some pretty big gouging that they're doing uh, on the Vikings run defense. But flip-flop to the Vikings run offense. And I know there's a little bit concern about Dalvin Cook and the Uh, the status of his shoulder after the injury that he suffered in the Seahawks game. But this is somebody who had 25 rushes for 142 yards, two touchdowns, absolutely carved up the Lions the last time that they met at Ford Field. What what do you see his status being going into the game, Arif? And do you think that he's going to be as effective as he was in the uh, prior contest? Um, Well, he'll be fully ready to go. It's it's been a pain management issue. Um, That's what I was told before the bye week, that it's primarily a pain management issue. And they basically confirmed that publicly after, you know, we were asking, hey, is he hurt? Um, And they said he's fine. Like after the game, they basically said if he wanted to go back in there, he could have, which I thought was kind of interesting because it's not like the Vikings had secured the game or anything like that. Um, But but uh, but it was like precautionary. There's like, you know, four weeks left of the season. So that's what they were paying attention to. Um, so, uh, that, that's the, that's basically it. He'll be ready to go. Um, the concern, at least on my end is that I think that whatever it is, pain management or whatever, they call it a chest. Sometimes it's called a shoulder. It's a clavicle. So it's between the two. So I can understand the, the, the confusion, but, uh, whatever it is, uh, if it, if he falls the wrong way or if he gets hit in a particular way, it causes apparently just a tremendous amount of pain. And I think that was why he fumbled on, on that snap that he got injured, um, mm-hmm. or got taken out of the game, I should say. Um, so I, it, in some senses should probably reduce his effectiveness. Um, I don't think he thinks, you know, it'll change his running style or anything like that, but I think it's very difficult, um, just as a human to not 
change the way that you're um, doing things, at least subconsciously, because of that enormous amount of pain. So, yeah, I think you'll probably be less effective. I think you, you've got to be concerned about ball security in that situation. But in terms of his availability, he'll be there. Uh, while we're sticking with injuries, let's talk about former Lion, Riley Reef suffered a concussion against the the Seahawks. Um, given the short week, it seems unlikely that he plays this week. Um, tell us ab- about who's going to take over at left tackle and, and your confidence level there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Concussion protocol is vague. I have no idea. You know, no one has right. any idea, but I think you're right that it's unlikely. Um, yeah. So they would have Rashad Hill come in. He is a guy they picked off of the Jaguars practice squad a couple of years ago. Uh, and since then, I think it's demonstrated that as a backup left tackle and backup right tackle, he backs up both positions. Uh, he's one of the better backups in the league. I, I, I'm really happily surprised to see kind of his level of play because the state of backup level offensive line play in the NFL is just pretty abysmal. So uh, his ability to, I think, play at a starting quality level, um, I think is there. He struggled a little bit this preseason, so I was kind of concerned. But, um, you know, he came in and played and he did a pretty good job against Judevian Clowney. Um, so well, not as a run blocker, but as a pass protector, pretty mm-hmm. good uh, job there. So, uh, and that kind of characterizes his game. He's, he's a much better pass protector than he is a run blocker. Uh, and, uh, and he's always had strength issues and he always, you know, he used to have these weird set issues, but, uh, he's kind of fixed his pass set. So, uh, he's difficult to take advantage of as a, as a pass protector, but he is still kind of a backup playing as a starter. So there's going to be opportunities there. He's just not as good as Reef. Uh, and, and Reef is basically just kind of an average left tackle anyway. So um, it's a liability, but it's not as big a liability as I think it would be for most teams or has been for the Vikings in the past. All right, before we get into our predictions for the week, I, I kind of want to wrap it all up and and just kind of have your thoughts. Since I mean, we care about the Vikings. They're in the division. So what what do you think is the ceiling of this team right now? Where... Where do you think they go? I mean, obviously, it looks like they're headed for the playoffs, whether they win the division or not. Um, is this is this a Super Bowl contending team? Is this a team that that won't get out of Wild Card Weekend? Um, I I look at Minnesota Vikings fans, and they seem to be some of the most Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde fans out there. Just with every, I mean, the, the Seahawks game was a perfect example because they looked great for one quarter, then bad for another. And and I see I see Vikings fans convinced like they're going to blow a, a playoff spot or, and then the next moment they think this team is Super Bowl bound. So where, where are you in this wild conundrum, this wild continuum of, of, of Vikings fandom right now? The quick switch to pessimism is a very Vikings fan trait. Yes. I think. Yes. <laughs> I think just given the history of the franchise, it's pretty easy to understand. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would say if you were to stack up the talent, and if every position was equal in terms of its importance, they would absolutely be, you know, a Super Bowl team. Uh, they're they're an incredibly talented team, and that shows out in a bunch of games. But I think when you take a look at kind of which positions matter the most, obviously, you know, you've got quarterback, but Cousins is playing well. But after that, it might be cornerback. And at cornerback, they just seemingly don't have the talent there to consistently compete, and they don't make up for it with with their quarterback. He's just very good. He's not great. Um, so I would argue that, yeah, they're absolutely a playoff team and, and they should threaten in the playoffs and, and they could be dangerous and they can kind of ruin someone's day, but I, I don't think they can win four straight. Um, and <laughs> that's what you need. So, uh, especially when the four straight includes at the end, you know, the chiefs, Ravens or Patriots, that sounds right. impossible right now. Um, so yeah, so I, I, I don't think they can, uh, win the Super Bowl. I think they can. Doing that, maybe show up in a conference championship game again, which is like a nightmare. Like I think Vikings fans are very happy with <laughs> wild card games, divisional games, 
And it's been a while since they've been to a Super Bowl, so they'll probably be comfortable in the Super Bowl. But the the <laughs> conference championship game itself, that's that's uh, stressful. Are are you sure they're so comfortable with divisional games, Arif? Because the Minnesota miracle resulted in such a disaster for the Vikings. <laughs> right, just, plays just never go uh, for them. You know, Minnesota <laughs> miracle and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bugger. All right, let's uh, let's move to the one thing we think we know where we give our one prediction for the game. It doesn't have to be a score prediction. It can be a prediction about anything that happens in the game. Ryan, I'm going to start with you. What is the one thing you think you know about Lions-Vikings week 14? The one thing I think I know, I'm sorry, it's not really related to the game. It's okay. related to Twitter. And one thing I think I know is that people will not give enough of a shit as far as Lion fans go, to change their avatars to baby Yodas to troll Arif. Thank God. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't even know what that's in reference to, but I like it. Lucky you. Every, every single, yeah, lucky you. Every single Seahawks fan, uh, Mina Kimes, eventually the Seahawks own Twitter account, all of them changed their avatars to Russell Wilson dressed up as baby Yoda. Which, it is getting way, out of control. It's a phenomenal Photoshop, but it's very difficult to appreciate <laughs> after just a weekend of bombardment. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Arif, what's the one thing you think you know about this Week 14 matchup? I uh, I think uh, so the Vikings didn't throw it deep very often against the Seahawks. I think they think that's a mistake. So uh, I think they'll uh, they'll have five shots or more downfield uh against uh, against the Lions. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that meant that Diggs goes for like 150 or something like that. But the prediction is uh five shots or more downfield. I like it. My prediction is that uh the the one thing I think I know is that David Blau's uh his shine will 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 tarnish a little bit. Uh, no. I'm, no. Sorry. The I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The honeymoon is eternal. <laughs> I I like David Blau, and we all like Jeff Driscoll after one or two weeks as well. But Not this true. Vikings well, I, defense, I never liked Jeff Driscoll. <laughs> oh well, okay. Some people did. <laughs> but this is a tough Vikings defense. This is an impossible environment playing in Minnesota, a Minnesota team that's going to be hungry coming off of a tough loss of a Minnesota fan base that is loud and very, very annoying, but also very nice. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's not going to be great for David Blau. We've seen Matthew Stafford get beat the hell up in that stadium before. Um, I don't I don't like David Blau's chances. Um, so, yeah, the tarnish comes a little bit. But you know what? I, I don't think fans should necessarily get... Uh, get upset over it the the vikings tend to look make a lot of quarterbacks look bad all right so that's gonna wrap it up for first bite uh thanks again arif hassan for joining us uh where can people reach you arif if they want to catch some of your stuff uh yeah you can find me on twitter like so many seahawks fans have at arif hassan <laughs> NFL. uh that's a-r-i-f-h-a-s-a-n nfl um or you can find my work uh over at the athletic i've also got a couple of podcasts norse code and the zone coverage football machine all right. Thanks again for joining us. Ryan, thank you for joining us. Always appreciate you being part of the show. And I appreciate y'all, appreciate y'all for listening as well. We will see you Bayside High.